0: This this is the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour. Supported
1: by Albertsons and brought to you by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Cowboys. It's Miller time. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. Luke Casey, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys. Blockchain.com, trusted by millions, trusted by America's team and by Omni. Omni Hotels and Resorts, the official hotel of the Dallas Cowboys. Now your hosts, Christy Scales and Brad Shan And welcome everyone. Look at us. We're out of the... I started to say cage, but that would be such a wrong thing to say because we love the, the podcast studio uh, at the Star. We love it. But uh, this is even better where we are out uh, in the Star District and tonight and for the next Four weeks after this, we are at Concrete Cowboy in the Star District, out on the patio. It couldn't be better. And look who's here! Cavante Turpin came out to be our special guest. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm blessed to be here. Uh,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much. So um, we will be here. We don't have any interruptions in the schedule now for a while, do That's we? That's right. Every mm-hmm. Monday. Uh, At this time, which, uh, depending on when you're listening and where you're listening, might be a different time than other people. So just say, at this time, uh, for the next four weeks, uh, we'll be taping. If you'd like to come be a part of the audience, uh, when we're not live um, in Dallas-Fort Worth, you might hear us live on the Dallas Cowboys radio network, anywhere around the network. Thank you for joining us. And for those of you streaming on DallasCowboys.com, that's all the little cameras there. Terp, you can wave to everybody. Nice to have you with us. Whenever you're joining us, thank you very much. And uh, so, so come on out, and uh, we encourage you to come and meet the players and get a chance to ask them some questions. And uh, of course, this uh, th- there's a little more enthusiasm now after the last couple of weeks than there was after that first one. And Cavante uh, Turpin is right in the middle of it, and, and what an exciting player you are. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah,
2: I'm blessed to be here, man. It's, it's a wonderful one.
0: And, and this is Cavante. He says it's his first national radio show. Really? So, yeah, across the radio Lucky network. Us. So we're very privileged to have you. And your story is so inspiring because there aren't too many 26-year-old rookies in the NFL and you know five different leagues now in the NFL and I have to ask you because you played here locally at TCU but I'm sure that you envisioned what it would be like to be in the NFL and be a Dallas Cowboy but now that it's a reality and you're 3 weeks into the regular season 2 and 1 record does the reality meet or exceed the expectation
2: yes man I just i've been you no know, Going around the world, just seeing things, and it just, I can not faith, you know. Just to be here, man, just, it's just a point time. Like, it's a blessing come true, because I've been waiting on it, like, my whole life. It just, I'm just happy to be a part of the Cowboys organization and just happy to do what I can do for
1: it. And let me get out of training camp and into the preseason first, because you said that you've been dreaming about this, and you've had some, you've had, some ups and downs hit some potholes we we don't have to get into all the specifics but we don't want to stay away from the growth opportunities because your story it seems to me is one that can be really inspirational to uh, a lot of young men and women and and let them go to school on some of the things that got you from where you've been to where you are but all of that time when you started playing again we'll get into all of that Uh, that dream of the NFL was always there
2: Yes, sir, it's always there.
1: Now we go to preseason. And here you are We're in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. You're in a stadium. The people paid to get in. They keep score up on the scoreboard. And uh, the first one, of course, was Denver. Now we go to the Chargers, and we all know what happened. Return a kickoff and a punt for a touchdown. So preseason or not, and I think this is kind of what Christy was driving at. When you walk out onto the field in a stadium with the star on your helmet and wearing the uniform are you thinking i did it
2: i was thinking like dang, i made it basically like it's been a long journey and i'm like finally here and it just i kind of i kind of broke a tear you know kind of like like a joy relief and i just you no know, i just decided
1: before the chargers game i mean let's be honest there's a lot of rookies you're not an average rookie but there's a lot of rookies who uh, only kind of peripherally, only think they know the difference between preseason and the regular season. But there's a lot of guys who know, now you got three preseason games, some of them that third one's going to be the last time they play football in their life. What, but your self-belief has driven you throughout your journey. So when you, when you went in the field in Denver, let alone the Chargers game, did you think, uh, I still have to make the team, or this is another step, or did you think, no, I'm, I'm here?
2: Now I really just, in my head, I was just like, I got to go out here and make a play, like, to certify myself to, like, know that I'm on the 53-man roster. Like, that was my mindset going into Denver and the Chargers. Like, when, like Denver, I really just was trying to get a feel, like, of the NFL, like, how fast it is and it So, when I got there, you know, I came back and told Coach Bones, the special team coach. I told him, like, going into the Chargers game, like, like it's time to do it. Like, it's time to let it loose. You know, he did and I I just went out there and made a play. And that's just what it was.
0: That first return that you had in that preseason game, I had a flashback to the time when Bill Parcells was here. And uh, it wasn't his first season with the Cowboys, but he said going into the final preseason game that, yes, there are still roster spots open, and if someone makes a play, they're going to make the final roster, and Brad remembers that that's when Reggie Swinton returned to kick off 100 yards and ended up making the the squad. Bill stayed true to his, his word, and, and Reggie uh, rightfully earned that spot on the 53-man. So after that first return, did you know at that point that, yes, I've done it?
2: No, oh, no that didn't even hit my mind either. I just was like, I still got to go. Like I thought they was going to pull me, and they was going like, to have in my mind said, like, okay, I kind of, like, made a play, you know, like some, But they kept me in the game. So, I just was like, let's go do something else special. So, there was the mindset going, you know, when I returned to second one, that's when I, like, I heard the team, the boys, they were just like, man, go take your stuff off. You, you hear it. <laughs> so, that's when I got to like, kind of got excited. And that's when it kind of hit me, like, I made, a, I made a spot on the fifth three.
0: Yeah. One of the great things about being the sideline reporter for so long is that every team is different every year. And it's fun to see the dynamic on the sideline because younger players become older players and they assume more leadership roles. You have different coaches come in and there's always a different dynamic. And the response of your te- teammates, and you'd only known these guys for a couple weeks, really. I really uh, just a week. Yeah, really just a week. And yet it was, it was joyous, you know, not just because there was a score, but they were genuinely happy for you. And so I would like for you to share with the hundreds of thousands of Cowboys fans who are listening right now, what it's like to come back to a sideline, actually be swamped in the end zone by guys that you've been watching on TV or who are highly regarded in the in the NFL?
2: Man, it's just, like, exciting because I was, like, I was looking up to these guys, like Dak, Zeke, you know, all of them. I was looking up to them then, just seeing them, like, just showing the joy and, like, the happiness for me. And I just was like... I just excited. My broke a tear, and it just like I was happy, man. Just happy to like to see those guys, you know, show love into what we do, and like it just excited.
1: I was intrigued by what you said a minute ago about uh, you were interested in getting into the preseason because the speed would pick up a little bit. And so then you now it's the regular season. Now you're gonna go play Tampa. Did anybody tell you that that wasn't no speed at all? Now the now it's fixing to get real.
2: Now, now, when I went to Temple, you know, they was an experienced team, so I was just, I didn't know what to expect, you know, so I just went out there just trying to make a play, not knowing. But then I got, you know, bones, we watched film, you know, did a little study program, and uh, it started, you know, it started getting slow for me. And it just, it's just how it was last week, you know, I mean, I mean yesterday, you know, it, the game just gets slower by the, you know, by the times you get. And
1: from week to week, is it getting slower
2: and slower? About week to week i see say by practice, it's getting, it's getting slower for me. Like I could pick up things faster.
0: I think that's what made what you did in preseason so impressive because the guys who are blocking for you, frankly, it's a lot of guys that, you know, don't get a lot of reps and they haven't really worked together. And so now that you're getting the practice with the guys, and I know that there are some changes where you have like Jabril Cox having to step in for Luke Gifford and Mm -hmm. the like on on special teams. But but now, how long has it taken, and do you even feel like you're really in the groove now, regular season, because you're actually getting to work with the same guys over and over and actually game planning instead of preseason where you're not so much studying the opponent?
2: Yeah, I'd say Bones. He do a great job with the know the personnel he put in, know, the guys. Like any guy that Bones put out there, know I put trust in them to go out there and do their job. And they just they just how we go through and know every day. You know, you gotta go out there and do your job just like at practice. You know, you got You know, next man up when no gift got down. I hope he be back this week. He just I'm happy Jabril came out there. You know, stepped up. You know, know next man up basically.
1: So I'm sorry. The the way that the you're describing that uh, the fellas accepted you. That looked like, and, you know, Christy and I were there in in Oxnard, and we see every practice. It looked like it didn't take very long for that to happen at all. The, am I right about that? Did they accept you just from the when you got to town?
2: Yeah, because, you know, the guys, they kind of knew who I was, you know, just coming from TCU. They knew, like, they just knew, like, when I get back there, they know, like, I'm a big play waiting to happen, so... I feel like they're going to do whatever in their power and their job to make sure I, I know I get loose.
1: So um, I was talking to C.J. Goodwin before the regular season started, before the first game, and he they don't have permanent captains, but if they had a permanent captain in the special teams, it would be C.J. Goodwin. For sure. He is, he's one of the best special teams players I've ever seen. So uh, we're talking about all the different units. I said, all right, so this looks like it's got a chance to be special teams to be a really good part of this team. Why is that? What's good about special teams? And he just looked at me and he said, Turp. So <laughs> so do you feel th- that from your teammates that they they expect everything of you that you expect from
2: yourself? Yeah, like, it's, like I, I'm a game changer, so I expect like, every game I got to go out there and make a play. Like they're just the chip on my shoulder, like every time I step on the field i got to get my best no matter what. So, them guys believe that I can go out there and make a big play, and I feel like I can take it there, too.
1: All right. Well, we're going to find out how that chip got there and what you do to carry it around, because it's sometimes I th- have a feeling it might be just about as big as you are. Uh, we are so happy to have Cavante Turpin with us on the Cowboys Hour tonight. Uh, we are at Concrete Cowboy in the Star District in Frisco. And come on out and be part of the show and meet Cavante and – Uh, We're going to have some fun tonight and for the next four or five weeks while we're here, we'll be right back on the Cowboys Hour.
0: By
1: Albertsons.
0: Also presented by Albertsons and Tom Thumb. get 10% off your groceries every Dallas Cowboys game day when you wear your Cowboys jersey. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Christy Scales, along with Brad Sham, and our very special guest tonight on the Cowboy Hour. We're at the Concrete Cowboy at the Star in Frisco. It's Cavante Turpin, the Cowboys' wide receiver and return specialist. And Cavante, uh, I would like for you to tell the story about every day when when you come before and after practice and between all the meetings and everything in the locker in the Cowboys' locker room here at the Star. Who are your locker mates?
2: C.J. Goodwin and Jason Peters.
0: Now, C.J. Goodwin, we just talked about him a moment ago, that he a veteran leader of the special teams and a, a cornerback and just an all-around great guy and true veteran presence. But Jason Peters, 40 years old, he made his uh, debut for the Cowboys last night. Uh, just wipe it out, guys, uh, playing left guard. But – uh, do you think it's an accident that they have uh, two veterans like that around you? And uh, what does it mean uh, for you personally to be able to glean from those kinds of guys?
2: I don't think it was an accident. I think they put us together, well, put them next to me, or put me next to them for like for them to give me wisdom and, like, open my eyes into the, the league. I feel like that's what it was. And, like, them guys talk to me every day, you know, just telling me, like, Terp, go be you, you know. Every day they tell me, like, Like, they're going to feed off my my energy. And I just feel like those guys talking to me just give me the wisdom and just keep me on my toes.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things about the Cowboys set up during the week, the locker room. The players are intermingled. It's not one half of the locker room is offense and one the other side is defense, and then it's by position group where the wide receivers are next to the tight ends, next to the quarterbacks, next to the offensive line. That's the way it is at – uh, stadiums, right? Because mm-hmm. halftime, you got a short amount of time, you got to make halftime adjustments. But I just think it's really interesting. I think Wade Phillips was the first to do that, Brad. The Cowboys, he was the one that kind of mixed things up there uh, in the locker room. But do you feel kind of a different dynamic and, and what's, it, what's the camaraderie like uh, at the star during the week?
2: Like a blessing, you know, just just being in that building, just just a blessing come true to me. You know, just you no, know, just be there, just listen to them guys, you no know, learn. You no, know, that that's what I'm here for, just to learn the NFL. You know, I've been in like five different leagues, so I'm basically still learning. And just just a blessing come true, just to walk in them doors.
1: Okay, let's let's get to the five different leagues, shall we? First of all, uh, I'm gonna li- I want to go back to TCU. Actually, I want to go back before that, Monroe, Louisiana. Yes, sir. Saints or Cowboys?
2: I was a Falcons fan. <laughs> how, did that, how did that happen? I was like I like Michael Vick. You know, okay, okay, of okay. Yeah, okay. Of course you did. Yeah, of course you did. Okay, great
1: athlete. Okay, fine. All right. Now, um, how did you get to TCU from Monroe?
2: You know, I didn't get recruited. I was a three-star coming out of high school. I didn't get recruited like that much. So I say like the national. I mean, say I played in the state championship game my senior, year, and I played against the team was Warren Easton. They had twenty-two d twenty-two guys going D one. Like 11 on offense, 11 on defense, and like I just went off that game. I had like 100, like 20 receiver yards, like four touch, I well like three touchdowns and like 80 yards on the ground. You know, I just feel like I did it. you know, TCU offered me, then you know Texas Tech offered me. I took a visit to TCU. I took so a, were,
0: were I, you were you recruited as a wide receiver or a specialist or both? Mainly I, as a yeah, receiver.
2: Athlete. They recruited me as an athlete, so they they tried uh, Coach P tried me at cornerback at one point when I was there. Really? Yeah, he tried me, but he t- he always wanted me to go out there, but he knew I was uh no big play waiting to happen, so he kept me on the offensive and We talked about it a lot.
1: But by the uh, what you're hearing behind us is, is someone just is driving by? That's not. Is that like a? That's just someone. Are they parked or are they leaving? No,
0: they're they're passing by now. Okay, but, well have uh, a lovely it's probably trip. Probably Cavante's teammates have uh, <laughs> are uh, trolling be. us here. It so. could yeah. be. It yeah, could they, be. They, they wanted to be on air, but it's only Cavante. all, they had to, to, yeah. all <laughs> they had to do is uh-huh. ask.
1: All they had to do was ask. For sure. Uh, okay, so um, so you get to TCU. Um, did you? What for real? Right now, at. As we're recording this, almost 620 uh, here in September. How, how tall are you and what do you weigh?
2: Right now I say I'm 5'8, five, 5'9, five, I'm about 153 right now.
1: 153, okay. <laughs> and what, what were you in high school? Like 135. 135. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, was that natural growth, or did, did you get in the weight room, or just did natural. you eat a lot of pizza, or what did you do?
2: No, nah, it's just natural. Like, okay. It's just hard for me to gain weight. I don't know why i tried it so many times over the years. It's just hard. I lose it so fast. Is, do you think that is why you weren't offered by more schools quicker? Yeah. A lot of schools, like, I went to the Alabama count, went to the LSU count. You know, I did my thing. They just told me I was too small. And they told you flat out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: okay. So. So uh, you weren't too small at TCU, and then you go on you had this great uh, great career at TCU, and you're all uh, Big 12 um, as, as an all-purpose player. And uh, What did you think about your prospects to play after college once you had done that and proven yourself in the Big 12?
2: Or were just, you even thinking about it? I really didn't really think about it. You know, I just... When I got there, I just, you know, I had the mindset I got to prove everybody wrong. You know, I still got that mindset to this day. You know, they just, when I went up there, they just, my mindset, I know, people look down on me and just, I just they just, my mindset had to prove people wrong. Uh, I,
1: want to, I want to give you an opportunity just to say whatever you want to about the circumstances under which you left TCU, mostly because I want to give you a chance to tell young people listening what you learned about yourself and about how to conduct yourself in life
2: i'll just say man i just i just stayed true to myself you know leaving there you know i just i didn't lose faith in like who i was and i you know the media made it seem like i was a bad person but at the same time i tell the young guys to this day like no matter what the people tell you do no matter what the people say you know stay true to yourself believing like who you is and, like, and that's just what i had in my heart like just stay true to myself
1: so you're out of TCU. You were dismissed from TCU, invited to not participate anymore in uh, 2018. Now, in uh, you're eligible for the draft in 2019, and you're not drafted. Not drafted. Because you're five eight and 100. Were
2: you up to 140 no, I like, then? <laughs> I, I said I was like I was like 160 then. 160. Yeah, I was working out hard with the A pick and forward. I was like 160 then. <laughs> All
1: right. So you, you don't get drafted. Now, some of the leagues, I, I mean, I, I like to think that I pay attention, but there's a couple of these leagues that I am not familiar with. Oh. So the, oh. your first stop is the indoor football league, which I am familiar with, with the Frisco Fighters. Yes, but sir. But COVID. COVID knocked it away. Not, so There's no there's no league. But how did you find them and how did they find you?
2: Man, I was I was in Mur- I was in Monroe, Louisiana. I was sleeping on my mama's couch. You know, uh, Coach Clint Denzel, he gave me a phone call, asked me did I want to come play. So I got to
1: stop you for one second yeah. because I, I Joe Trahan from the Cowboys PR staff and I worked together uh, with the Dallas Desperados and Clint Dozell was the quarterback and later mm-hmm. on went on into coaching. So I know Clint very well and know that he would look at you and say, especially in indoor football, I know what this young man can do. Okay, so Clint finds you. Go ahead. Sorry for the interruption. No,
2: you're okay. Uh, Yeah, Clint called me, asked me did I want to come play indoor. You know, that's the first time I, like, got a call from any league, and I was just like, yeah, let's go. Did you know even that there was indoor football? Uh, No, that was my first time even knowing about indoor football, and I was just like, come on, let's go. I just – they need to go do something.
0: If they'd have had the, the season, except for COVID, would you have had to play both ways, defense and offense? And had you ever played? Yeah, DB? I
2: played, I played uh, safety. Comp- That's my first position I'd have played growing up. I played quarterback and I played safety.
0: Okay,
1: so. Would you have played here? Yeah. Would yeah. the games have been right here in uh, the Ford Center? I,
0: I think For sure. So. How
1: about Ford's- <laughs> that? Okay. Yeah, he of was course. Gonna, was going to be at like, yeah, yeah, where yeah. else do yeah. you think <laughs> they're going to be? Of yeah. course. All right. So, uh, so that league doesn't happen. I'm looking at the clock because we're up against another break here in a minute. So that league doesn't happen. Now we go to 2021, and uh, now we're in the fan-controlled football league.
0: Oh, come on, Brad. I know that you closely followed the Glacier Boys. I,
1: I have sure. no <laughs> earthly clue about the fan-controlled football league. What were they, and how did you find them?
2: Well, they found me uh, – I did a workout for them in uh, Houston, Texas. You know, it just—it was basically like a 7 or 7 league, basically. It's basically like a big old – like you were playing in a big old video game. Like, that's how it was. Like, you know, you sit there. You know, it's like fans, they pick the plays, and, like, they tell us the plays. And, like, we go out there <laughs> – yeah. Can go out there and run them.
0: Yeah, so, so how does that uh, work out? Because uh, I know millions of Cowboy fans who think they're better play callers than mm-hmm. Keller Moore. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd that work out with these uh, fans calling plays? He uh, was...
2: I ain't – I'm going to tell you the truth. It like, was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was crazy, but me and my quarterback, DeAndre, DeAndre Francois, like we just out there running our own stuff. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> Whatever they send in, we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, sir. Now, yeah. where, where had he been, and where is he now?
2: Uh, I think he just got an uh, XFL uh, uh, draft invitation. So, I think he is going to the XFL this so, year. Was that in
0: Atlanta, the fan-controlled league? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, so ma'am. So, everyone's all kind of kind of like USFL yeah, where was everyone was in Birmingham. Yeah, is, gonna, you're in the bubble. They're in Atlanta.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Uh, okay, six games, caught 13 balls, four touchdowns. And then uh, that ends, and you go to the Spring League.
0: And, Brad, I know you closely followed the Sea Lions of, of the, the Spring the League. The
1: Sea Lion. Now, where the hell are they?
0: Well, where <laughs> every is- Sea Lion would be, right in the middle of Texas.
1: <laughs> and where – <laughs> yeah. Where where were the Sea Lions? And how did you find – do you have an agent guiding you to all of this stuff?
2: I didn't have an agent. I was doing it on my own. <laughs> Dude, yeah. how did you find the Spring League? Uh, a coach named Coach Smith, he had got in touch with uh, my mom. Seen knew my moms from a long time. He's like an offensive coach – I mean, offensive line coach. You know, he got in touch with my moms and asked me did I want to come play. And I was like, yeah. And, like, I'll come do anything at this point. So, I just – not there played, uh, I think they had a located in Houston, Texas.
1: And what are, are you getting paid like $100 a game or $150 a yeah, game? Yeah, it's
2: like 200 a game. Uh,
1: <laughs> and I'm serious about this. Then we got to take our next break, and then we're going to pick up this travelogue. When you're going through all of this, did the thought ever occur to you, somebody somewhere does not want me to stop playing football yet?
2: I, yeah, I had that in my head. Like, But I really didn't care what people say. I just was out here just – I'm gonna continue to chase my dream no matter what, and I I didn't care what people had to had to say.
1: And you must have a lot of friends who, when you tell them this, they say, "Yeah, but man, that ain't chasing no dream. When you're playing and you're playing for two hundred dollars in the spring, what dream are you chasing doing that?"
2: But I just say I wasn't in it for the money. You know, I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it for the game. You know, I love football, and it just. I never was in it for the money. Like, never was. I never thought about the money. You know, I just love the game of football.
1: By the way, um, as you have success and stay in this NFL for a while – no, don't tell them that they don't <laughs> care about the money. You're in a whole different deal right now. Cavante <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turpin's our guest. We are on uh, the Cowboys Hour, the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour at Concrete Cowboy in the Star District in Frisco. Uh, I'm Brad Sham with Christy Scales. We'll be right back with Cavante Turpin after this.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: To the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons. The Cowboys Hour is also supported by Lucchese, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Christy Scales, along with Brad Sham. And our very special guest is Cowboys wide receiver and return specialist, Cavante Turpin. And we're t- going through his journey Uh, between TCU and the NFL where with the Cowboys, 26-year-old rookie, and we've made it through the fan-controlled football league with the Glacier Boys, the spring league with the Sea Lions, and then before you get to the USFL, this time a year ago, last fall, the European League of Football with the Roll Claw Panthers in Poland, going against the Hamburg Sea Devils and the Lipsig Lions. <laughs> How did you wind up in Poland in the European League? Man, look, well, I had an agent by this time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Big yeah. time Big <laughs> time. I now, know you didn't just find
1: your way to
2: Poland. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I had an agent by this time. I you know He came and just like, do you want to go to Germany and, like, Europe? And I'm just I was thinking, like, no, I don't want to go. I, I was thinking, like, something else is going to come up. But then nothing else come up, and they came back around, and I was like, yeah, let's go. So they signed me for, like, the the middle, like, the middle to the end of the season. And I went out there, you know, it was it was nice, you know, I had a great experience, you know. But when I went out there, it was basically just like I was teaching and, like, being a leader when I went out there because most of the guys, they really didn't know, like, American football, basically. So that's when I went out there, i say it helped me become a better leader and a better teacher and, like, in the experience of the game. Who was your coach? His name was uh, J- uh, Koba, Koba Sam- Samuel. What, was he a Polish yeah, guy? Yeah, he was a Polish guy.
0: And and what was it like living in, in Poland? I mean, you and I talked a little bit about this, the, the day that uh, after your first practice and you met with the media and kind of pulled you aside afterwards to talk about the experience of living overseas where – you know, it's a different language, totally different culture, different foods. But it sounds like you really embraced that opportunity.
2: Yeah, I embraced. You know, I took advantage of the opportunity. And I, I say like, like it was, it was, it was lives like living in in Poland or you know, just living somewhere in a different country. Just that my first time like going out of the country, so I just made every effort of it and just try to live it.
0: And, and that's a neat city. Breslau, if, you know. Is that used to, where it is? You, you, it used to yeah. be, Breslau. Breslau became uh, Rochlau after okay. uh, after the war. Mm-hmm. It became Polish instead of German. But what were the, the crowds like? What was the living situation like? And then when you, you, you know, were obviously teaching your, your teammates, but I'm sure that's just a very different dynamic than you had been over here in the United States where so many people grew up playing football.
2: Yeah, it was it was totally different, you know. It was like the living, you know, you had to take a train everywhere, you know, the apartments. It looked like a bended like going in, it looked like a bended building, basically like like old. But it was nice and when you walk in, it's like nice, you know. I didn't expect that, you know, just coming from the United States. I thought it was gonna be handy dandy. But it was nice though, and I say like it was nice just living in there, you know, just adapting to their lifestyle, you know. What got to me was the bad thing, I'd say like the time difference. Really, not the I mean, language. Not, no, I, I know. I didn't even try to. Like, get, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask
0: you what words you learned in Polish. Yeah, but. I didn't
2: even try. Like, the, <laughs> I, I knew the guys were talking to me when they were speaking English. Okay. Yeah, they were speaking English, so I knew they was talking to me. <laughs> so the time
1: difference was the big thing yeah, for you. Yeah,
2: like it was time difference it was a move. Okay, I got to ask you this
1: because Christy mentioned food. Now you know we've been to uh, with the Cowboys. We've had the chance to go to. Literally all over the world. A few years ago, we went to England. England, they speak English. Mm-hmm. Guys didn't want it. I don't want to go to England. I don't know about the food. I, it was unbelievable. Now, did you get a little adventurous with the Polish cuisine, and or did you just go to like McDonald's and order hamburgers and chicken nuggets?
2: I, I tried it. I, I ain't gonna cap. I tried the food. You know, I'm a picky eater. Like it was nasty to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was nasty to me. But, yeah, I was, I was the McDonald's guy then. Okay.
1: All right. Now, they wanted you back, but you instead decided to go to the USFL. Yes, sir. And um, in case you don't know, he was the MVP of the USFL. So that is uh, some of the – now Now it's a little bit more like uh, what you're used to watching and playing. And did you know that all of the games were
2: going to be in Birmingham? Yeah, I knew uh, going in there they told us that we were going to be stationed there in Birmingham, Alabama, and they just I just thought of it like, like a bubble, but they didn't have it like a bubble, no. They had us, we can go live, you know, but it was, it was great. You know, Birmingham was great. You know, they showed love.
0: Yeah, well, it's just ironic that you played for the New Jersey Generals, and yet uh, this week was the first time you got to play you know, at MetLife Stadium as, as a cowboy because all of your games were in Birmingham. But, mm-hmm. but I guess that was a lot of fun because it's not just your teammates with the Generals, but everybody all together. So, mm-hmm. so what, what's Birmingham like during the week when you got all these USFL players?
2: It was great, you know, just, you know, you know, I knew some of the guys, you know, just getting to know some of the guys, you know, just know their story, you know, just just to get to the USFL, you know, it was wonderful. It's, like, exciting to, like, get to know all those guys and just, you know, learn the coaching, you know, take coaching. But when I went into the USFL, like, my mindset was it's time. Like, it's time to show everybody that, like, I'm still that dynamic player. Like, that was my mindset. And I just feel like that's what I showed, like, with Mike Riley, like, offensive scheme with me. You know, ma'am had a great, great time at the USFL. And they just, in my mind, said, like, it's time. Who was your coach? Mike Riley.
1: Mike Riley, yeah, good, really good coach. And who was it? Was he the OC or was there another uh, OC? OC
2: hit night with Coach Smith, the same guy I played in the spring league with.
1: How about that? Okay. So the interesting thing is that uh, you're – you're the MVP. You only had one punt return for a touchdown, right? Although you led the league. Yeah. You led the league, but you but it was as a receiver, really, that you made the biggest splash. Mm-hmm. So, they've only given you a couple of spoonfuls of receiving so far. Are you ta- are you in Callen's ear or what's going on?
2: Yeah, I'm. In, I'm in the RP year, Tell them that. Uh, you know, I'm just. You know, that's that's that was my mindset going into USFL. Like I knew everybody knew that you know I was a special teams guy and all this, but I went into the USFL like I gotta prove everybody that I'm a receiver. Like that's when I had to prove them to on the NFL level.
1: So the the offense that Riley ran, what what kind of routes were you? You're, I'm looking at your stats, uh, and uh, you had uh, 540 receiving yards. Forty-four catches, four touchdowns. Um, is that a lot of screens? Is that a lot of uh, uh, stuff in the flat? How much of that is down the field?
2: Like we ran, like most of love was down the field. You know, we only ran like we didn't run to run no screens really. He basically like route runners like slants, outs, posts, scene balls. Like he, we did everything with Mike Riley. You no, know? you know, he just he had he had great film to like he had great film for me to show, like, that I was a receiver, basically.
0: How do you describe the level of, of play in the USFL? There are a lot of guys who have some NFL experience or at least camp experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it was like, i just say it was like coming to the NFL, you know, seeing this. i say it's like semi-pro of the, like, the NFL, like next thing up to the NFL. But it was great, you know, it was a great experience. You know, it was great football, you know, great film to have. And I just felt like it was it was great to, like, I feel like USFL is going to be here for a while, and it was great to, like, just be in the league and just be the MVP of it.
0: When the Cowboys signed you and special teams coordinator John Fossil talked to the media, he said that he had been keeping tabs on you uh, since the USFL uh, had started, and even, even before that. When did you know that Fossil and the Cowboys in particular were really paying attention?
2: Well, when they uh when I left the USFL, went home, uh they called me Will McClay. He called me. He was like, uh you like want to bring you up here for a workout? You know I haven't even you know talked to the Cowboys. I talked to like a bunch of teams, but the Cowboys the first team. Oh, that,
1: sorry, what did they tell you? The other teams that you talked to, what did they say? They just was
2: telling me like you know just stay. You know we'll get your fruit cards for a workout, blah blah this. But the Cowboys called me and the, you know they called me. They was like come up here for a workout. You know, the Cowboys, the first team to give me a workout, came up here, did the workout. You know, it just like, that's when I knew, like, oh, yeah, they, they like me. They like what they seen with me in the workout.
1: And um, that, the team was already in Oxnard, right? Yes, sir. And so what did you do
2: in that workout? I did run, like, six routes and caught, like, six pumps. And I just, I feel like I just made it look natural. So I, I talked
1: to a scout not long ago we've seen what you can do in a return game. And I talked to a scout not long ago and and I said what what do you think about his prospects as a receiver? And the and the scout who thinks highly of you uh and I'm not going to tell you where he was a scout from mm-hmm. uh, said uh, well, uh you know he's not very big. I said, "Yeah, he we all know that, he knows that." <laughs> He said, "Well, guys, that size—the further away they get from the quarterback, the harder they are to find. So, do you think the things that that you were doing in the USFL would translate to the NFL?
2: By the chances, scheme-wise, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll just say by the chances that I get, I feel like I can make it play just like I made in the USFL, just by the chances I get. You know, just just the mindset I'm always have, like when a ball coming my way, like it's mine, it's like." I got to make a play like that's my mindset no matter who on me no matter if it's three people on me like I got to make this play
1: Cavante Turpin is our guest on the Cowboys hour tonight and uh you, you ain't heard nothing yet because uh, uh I'm gonna let him give you a little clinic on uh, kick returning especially punt returning we had a conversation last week that I want all of you to be able to hear uh and and we'll be right back we'll be right back with Cavante Turpin on the Cowboys hour
0: The Cowboys Hour is also supported by Papa John's. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. I'm Christy Scales alongside Brad Sham, and our special guest on the Cowboy Hour tonight is Cowboy wide receiver and return specialist number nine, Cavante Turpin. And, Brad, I know you want to talk to Cavante about punt returns, but in in your mind, Kavante, what what is it? You're, you're not a punt returner or a wide receiver? What, what are you in? I'm a running back. A running back. All right. But, hey, you know, know, once you get the ball in your hands, right?
1: I mean, there's just an instinct in me that just is seeing you take – not a fly sweep, standing back there, eye formation, (laughs) take the handoff, and then he's going to get killed. (laughs) He can't take – they can't let him run up in there with them giants. But
2: that doesn't even occur to you, does it? No, I don't care. Like, I don't care how big you is. Like, I get that ball, I'm going to make a play. like, that's my mindset.
1: Okay, so so last week Turp and I were having this conversation. I was listening and I want all of you to get a chance to hear this a little bit because this is this stuff fascinates me. I noticed in training camp uh, watching when you were in punt return drills that there were sometimes some punts depending on what the coverage was and how high the ball was and whatever, that you would take a little, just a little half step, a little slide step one direction or the other. We noticed in the Chargers game, I think one of the returns, you actually took a shuffle step back before you started going forward. So I asked Terp the other day, I said, what, is that am, am I dreaming? Or is that a thing that you do that? What does that mean when you do that? So go ahead and talk to the people about what the ball's in the air. What are you looking at and what do you see and what do you think about and what do you react to
2: well when, when I when, the, when he kicked the ball I look at the gunners like I make sure I don't even look at the ball like I ain't even looking I look at the gunner see how fast they're going and see do CJ and and Fett and see do they got them then I look at the ball see where it's landed I get to my spot and like I already know it's landing like somewhere right here then I look and see Okay, stop.
1: No. Oh, I'm sorry. Stop. Oh, yeah. You run to your spot. You haven't looked at the ball yet. No, I looked R- at the ball then. But not yet. Yeah. Not until then. Mm-hmm. You're, it, you're where you're standing. The ball's kicked. I'm looking at the gunners. Now I'm going to my spot. Now you're looking at the ball.
2: Damn ball is about on you, isn't it? I still up there. They be punting high. All right, okay. I see it fast. So okay, you know. So yeah. Did so, you play baseball? Yeah, I played baseball. You were, were you
1: an outfielder? Outfielder, and shortstop. And c- you, I'll bet you were just hell on
2: wheels tracking fly balls for sure. Okay. All right. Come back to the punt. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, I see them come back. Then I get the ball, like just like the Chargers game. You know, I seen them. The partner, like I mean, the, uh, the Garner, he got close to me. You know, I got, I know that they can't hit me before the ball get there. So I well, they're not supposed to. Yeah, they're not supposed to. <laughs> so yeah, I get the ball. He dove. I took a little shuffle step back. And like I practice that on like in, in practice, like I do the little little step back. You know, just just for room, basically, like a missed step. I know guys not expecting this, so, no, that's what I do. And basically, that's just separation. Yeah. And so the ha-
1: step. I'm sorry, Christy. The step doesn't come till after you've located the ball. Yes, sir. You've gone through all those other things. The reason I'm asking you this is. If fans are watching you, whether it's at AT AT&T Stadium or on television, and you're back there, if they see you, balls in the air, they don't care about the Gunners. but if they see you take that little step. I'm not for a kitchen. You have seen something.
2: Yes, sir. I'm not for a kitchen at all. If you see that step, I'm not for a kitchen. Get ready. Yeah, for sure. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, uh, being a punt returner at AT AT&T Stadium poses a unique challenge because it's the only – stadium that has a center hung digital board Damn, man. now <laughs> yeah, yeah now now what kind of challenge is that and, and by the way just with the LED lights in there it's hard to locate the ball anyway you know Michelle. even as, as a receiver so is it very different at at and t stadium compared to other venues you've played and do you wish that maybe you could practice more out there if it, if it is a big difference. Yeah,
2: I would say it's different because, you know, I'd be expecting the ball to hit the jumbo thing every time. Like, that's, that's why the only thing i say different. I expect the ball to, like, at least graze off it because it's just, it just right there so big.
0: Well, to have it happen each of the first two weeks of this regular season, we, we haven't Highly had it here, in sure. back-to-back uh, weeks, but um, I'm sure Bones had coached you up. Did, did you know that it would be um, a dead ball if, it, if you were back there and it were to happen? Oh no,
2: we for sure like man, bones yeah. like we know like if we get a good chance, it's it's, it's game on like he, man, bones I already know like bones stay in my ear like he always tell me Pro Bowl this year, Pro Bowl this year. So you know, I'm looking up, I'm I'm, I'm looking up to that standard. you Know which I'm going to Pro Bowl this yeah. year.
0: Well, I think Cowboy fans just really don't appreciate the precision of Brian Anger, the Cowboys punter, because the way he's trying to angle it, and, and often teams are trying to, you know, pin you towards the sideline and the like. And, I mean, the way that he can just precisely, just barely miss that board. But from the punt returner standpoint, when you know that they're going to try and drive, like Bones was talking today about what a great play you made in fielding the punt. Uh, in the game against the Giants, just going back and, and catching it and towards the sideline and, and everything. What's it like, and, and how do you even know how close you are to the sideline when you're having to try and pay attention to so many other things? I'll
2: just say, like, working with Brian every day, like, Brian, you know, just when we doing, like, just say we doing, like, punt return, like, he'll give me kicks that he expect guys to kick to me. You know, so he helped me with that, you know, in practice. And like, I just feel like, you know, with his help, you know, like, this would make the game kind of, you know, navigate and become slower to me by the stuff we do in practice.
0: And could you talk about the difference when you have a left-footed punter and a right-footed punter?
2: Ah, like, I don't like left-footed punters. <laughs> I don't like
0: left Because?
2: The ball just stay there. It don't, like, right-footed punters, like, the ball, it's, it'll flip over and you'll see it, like, the nose just, and I say left-footed punters, like, it's hard. Like, it's hard to really catch a left foot opponent because it's just standing there, just spinning. Like, you would think you're going to land in your spot, but it'll land like five yards in front of you because the nose won't turn around.
0: It's interesting because the um, special teams coordinator that was here several years back, Rich Basaccia, who's now with the Green Bay Packers, at that time I believe it was three out of four punters and maybe even at one point all four punters in the NFC East were left-footed. Including the Cowboys punter, Chris Jones, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so in practice, the punt returners are fielding Chris Jones' left-footed punts. But when they would play, like, non-division games, they're going against right-footed punters. Mm -hmm. And so Jeff Heath, who was the Cowboys safety and the backup kicker, so Cowboy fans remember when he had to go into game on the West Coast and (laughs) kick off and then uh, even kick an extra point. Anyway, he would have Jeff Heath punt, in practice so that the returners could be used to having the right-footed spin. So mm-hmm. the point is there's just so much more to it than, so than much fans more. understand. I yeah. have one more thing, though, because you're also the Cowboys' kickoff returner. And so is it a different skill set returning kickoffs as opposed to punts?
2: Yeah, totally. I say kickoffs are easy because, you know, you catch the ball, you you can run like 10, 15 yards and know exactly where everybody's going. Now punts punt. Punt is harder because you know you got to watch people, you got to make sh- you got to see if it's a good return ball, if it's a good fit catch ball. You know, it's just a lot of things and t- coming to a punt return.
1: A punt return, what you do with it is left up to your judgment, which you demonstrate to them game by game, week by week. Kickoffs, what percentage of the time are you told, I don't care where it is and what you see, don't field it, don't catch it, don't touch it.
2: Well, Bones and you know, Coach Mike McCarter, they told me, like, if it's over three yards, like, leave it. Like, but if I can catch it, over three, three yards deep. Like, over three yards deep in the end zone. Like, if it's three yards and under, I can take it out. But over. But I feel like some games, like, just say, like, going into halftime, like, you know, like, 50 seconds left on the clock, we need to play in the ball, like, five yards deep. I feel like they'll let me bring it out.
1: Did you ever? Uh, we're we're short on time, but is, I mean, your one thing I think that's probably been a constant from the time you started playing is you believe in your ability.
2: For sure, I, I always believed in my ability, even in, like in high school. Like I knew that my skill set was different than other people's. Did you ever field a punt standing like
1: inside the ten-yard line?
2: No, I always focused. So
1: you. People told you, don't. I know you think you can do this. Well, back in it. high
2: school, you know, high school, you know, once you're kicking an end zone, it just, it was like that. But at TCU, like I brought everyone out.
1: I'm talking about a punt now. A
2: punt? A punt. Oh, no, 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 punt, no. I always felt catch it on the 10. All right.
1: Uh, hey, listen, um, this is really fun. It, it's fun having you around. You are great fun to watch, and we really appreciate you coming out here tonight.
2: Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay, now, are, is there some special dance when you score?
2: No, I ain't got one yet. i have one for you next time.
1: Okay, coming up. Cavante Turpin for Christy Scales. I'm Brad Sham. Thank you very much for being with us. And don't forget, we will be right back here at Concrete Cowboy, the Star District in Frisco, next Monday night. Be here at 6 for the Cowboys Hour. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
0: How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!